All right, we are live here on Pixel Fondue. I've got Derek Cicero and Shane Griffith from Foundry, no longer the Foundry, just Foundry. And uh, I've got a Moto 11 launch today, as well as some new purchase options, namely subscription, and some new upgrade options, or option, namely, uh, oh, getting a one second here. I'm I can hear, there's me live streaming myself so I could read comments without it being muted. Um, so we've got some new upgrade options as well. That's changed a bit. Licensing has changed a bit. So quite a few things to go over. And the first thing I want to do is just let you guys introduce yourselves, talk a little bit about yourselves, uh, how you got to Foundry, what you did in your past lives, what you like to do in your free time, what your favorite movie is, stuff like that. Shane, why don't we start with you? Oh, first up. Um, so yeah, hi everybody, I'm Shane Griffith. Uh, let's see, I've been with the Foundry about a little over four years now. Uh, prior to that, I was at Autodesk uh, for a number of years. I was a 3DS Max product manager there. Um, prior to all that, I worked in the games industry, um, worked on Mech Assault, it's, uh, the picture behind me, it's on the wall there, and a few other titles over the years. Uh, lots of different stuff. So I've uh, done my tour of duty in production, if you will, for about uh, 10 years prior to even coming into Autodesk and on the software side of the business and stuff. So when you work in the games industry, well, first of all, what company made Megasalt? That sounds familiar. Uh, it was Day One Studios here in Chicago. Um, it was a Microsoft uh, Live launch title at the time. So, yeah. Okay, so were you doing a similar job marketing type thing, or were you a product managing, or were you actually in there animating? Uh, so I was the technical art director on the on the project. So the production team mostly reported into me, um, and I handed you know basically managed the the art production aspects of the process. So you've worked on the production side of things in this industry as well. Oh yeah, I mean, so I you know I went to school to be an artist. Uh, I have a fine arts background. Um, and, you know, even in my early days, I started as a modeler and then worked into animation, you know, all different types of areas of the production process. You know, I've, I've worked through a lot of different tools over the years from, from soft Dimage to Wavefront, Wavefront, before there was an alias Wavefront. And mm -hmm, yeah, <laughs> I remember those. I remember old soft Dimage on my, my, on my SGI indigo i've got two of those indigos i used to have them in this room but they're out in the lobby now at Sabretooth that i bought on ebay just i still think they're the best looking machines ever made yeah the purple indigo and the indigo two and the uh the teal one anyway um i see you got a bike on your wall avid biker or is that decoration uh, so yeah in in my uh, lack of free time i try to do triathlons every year and not die yeah oh. he's <laughs> got medals you, you finished at least a couple there yeah i finished a few yeah you finished a couple. Do you swim in Lake Michigan? Please tell oh, me yeah. you don't swim in Lake Michigan. Oh, okay. Saturday morning, sunrise, I'm out there in the lake. Yeah. Wow. All right. I used to go to Lake Michigan as a kid and swim in the summer. That is some cold water, but it's fresh water, oh, yeah. which is nice. Like, yeah. I just got back from uh, the Gulf Coast, and we get a mouthful of that. You're just like <laughs> much better in Lake Michigan. Okay, Derek, let's move over to you. Give us your elevator pitch on Derek Cicero. <laughs> I joined back in the Luxology days, 2010. Uh, Brad brought me in over. I was working at uh, Oracle at the time, um, and then Sun Microsystems previous to that, uh, working in the Solaris group, uh, doing uh, open source software. So basically, 
um, running a lot of the project to open source Solaris, which was, I think, I'm sure still today is the largest open source project uh, or the largest attempt at open sourcing something that was ever probably tried um, in an effort to kind of compete with Linux, um, was there for several years. Prior to that, um, had my own consulting company for a number of years and then did a lot of uh, work for a number of um, or um, IT uh, web infrastructure, building websites for Wells Fargo, Chevron, places like that. Um, and so I joined Luxology in 2010 um, when 401, kind of in the 401 days, and then coming over to 501. I actually realized today that I think with Moto 11, I've been, I, the, the, I've been here for more Moto releases than were prior to my, my joining. Um, and then ran the Moto team uh, in uh, 501, 601, 701 days, and then moved over. Uh, did a modcast with Brad a few years ago about this. Moved over to run our SPD project, so working with um, some of our key customers like uh, Honda, uh, Adidas, uh, a few others, and really kind of looking at how to um, the technologies and a lot of things like the colorway technologies over to um, some kind of enterprise accounts or enterprise installations, if you will. Um, I know that's always been kind of an interesting. Uh, hot button topic on the forums of exactly kind of what what that meant for motor development. Um, I will say a lot of the work that was done uh, was brought back into moto and, and things like procedural modeling, for example, uh, were really kind of brought out of that group, um, as well as things like colorway. Uh, and then about, uh, I guess, a year ago, came back over um, to the moto side. So kind of running uh, the moto team um, with Shane, uh, as well as Colorway, uh, some other things that we're working on kind of internally, uh, really focused obviously on kind of growing the Moto user base, uh, taking kind of some of those learnings from the design side of what we learned from working with some of the design companies, um, you know, like like Adidas, like New Balance, uh, informing, informing both the Moto product, but also kind of what else we can do around the Moto product um, and kind of the, the ecosystem, if you will, to drive that. We've seen really good traction uh, in the design space. Um, and so, yeah, so for the last year, kind of been working, you know, very closely, Shane and I, on kind of a lot of the things we're going to see, I think, you know, we're talking about today, subscription, uh, maintenance, the, the, the roadmap, I think the changes in how be developed and how Moto, where Moto was in its life cycle as a product from when I started, like I said, in the 401, 501 days to where it is now. It's a very, it's a very different marketplace, it's a very different product. And so I think a lot of, like I said, what we'll talk about today kind of reflects uh, on that. Sounds good. So Derek, I've known for a number of years, and Sun Microsystems actually used to, uh, used to be one of the main clients of Sabretooth back before they were bought out by Oracle. Um, it's funny, when you think about Sun Microsystems, they're such a giant in Silicon Valley, you're really one of the sort of founding members of Silicon Valley. And now I, I think you ask people today, there's plenty of people who don't even have never heard of Sun Microsystems. <laughs> it's bizarre. So you think, like, if you go over to Facebook, their main campus, that's Sun it's, Microsystems. Yes. <laughs> That's like <laughs> Facebook so, so, so acquired that. <laughs> right. There's a big thumb there. It's so weird. I drive by Facebook now. There's that big, like, whatever stupid thumb <laughs> thing they've got. And there's like all these tourists always like taking pictures by the thumb. If you drive by Facebook, there's buses that drop people off there. I always find that kind of weird. But that was Sun Microsystems. I used to go over there for a lot of meetings. I, had met, I remember when Brad brought uh, Derek on board. And, you know, I think Brad would be the, one of the first people to admit this that, um, you know, Brad Peebler, uh, previously from Luxology and the Foundry, uh, great community builder, great marketing guy, great user, really understood Moto. Um, 
But he really needed somebody to get things done behind the scenes, make sure products got out on time, things got done. I know that's one of the reasons he brought Derek on. And Derek is not a public phase of motor. You don't see him necessarily on the forums a lot, or at least the public forums. Uh, but he is high, I know he's very highly regarded behind the scenes in terms of getting stuff done. And one of the things you had talked about is doing sort of a special projects unit or SP, I'm not sure he called it. But essentially, SPD. if you remember... If you remember, um, and Brad used to talk about this a lot, uh, you know, the, the core product um, is really called Nexus, and that's where all the development goes in. And Moto and uh, Moto Indy, a number of other products were sort of baked out of Nexus. And stop me if I'm getting this wrong, but I think this is correct. Yep. And you guys have, um, like lots of large companies like Autodesk or any other company, you have some major clients and some of these like Adidas, New Balance, Honda. And they request special development efforts. So you have multiple teams working on Moto. Some teams are doing special development efforts with these uh, large um, sort of uh, large clients you have. They're paying you guys a lot of money, kind of like SolidWorks used to pay Moto uh, or Luxology a lot of money to have their renderer embedded in SolidWorks. So you have different income streams coming in from larger clients. And what you were trying to say, because I'm not sure a lot of people necessarily know this, is that a lot of that development finds its way back into Moto. So something like the procedural modeling stack, the mesh operations we have starting in Moto 10, that originally started as a special project feature. Somebody must have requested that. Maybe it was uh, New Balance or something. And that found its way back into the public release of Moto. Correct? Yeah. In a yeah. nutshell. And so, <laughs> yeah, and I'll say, I mean, originally the idea was that when they sort of first built Motos, that Nexus and Moto would sort of from the beginning be, be separate kind of things. And, and Moto would be built, Moto would be one of many things built up of Nexus. And as development went on, that kind of quite didn't happen. It's in some things it did, like in the rendering component to your point about SolidWorks, you know, we were able to kind of, but the idea is that it would be a little more component based. And as development happened, it didn't quite work out quite that cleanly. Uh, and so one of the things that we've done in the last year is actually make that separation that was kind of the original vision so now there really is a Nexus team, and Stuart Ferguson. I know someone had asked, you know, Stuart and Allen, still, st still here, still, still brilliant, still working hard. Um, they've essentially kind of created now this true Nexus team, and so they're really that fundamental layer of Nexus, and that's that's where a lot of, the, for example, the underlying performance improvements have to happen from. So when you look at something, people say, you know, how can this be faster? A lot of times, that's completely refactoring, you know, how something works, like in the shader tree, and that's. What we sort of look at it as a Nexus level development. And so the Nexus team um, is there, come into the Nexus team. So if someone's working on something that may come in the Nexus team, they will basically ensure that, that it works platform, across the whole platform, integrate that, and then the other sort of consumers above that can have it as well. So Moto obviously is the biggest and kind of greatest example of the consumer of that Nexus framework, um, but there are others as well. And so I, one of the things we that has been, I think, extremely important for the long-term development of the product and where we're going in terms of things like performance and stability has been that that Nexus, the creation of that Nexus team. And so we're starting to see dividends, you know, paid on that in in Moto 11, and we'll continue to sort of see that in the future. Okay, so we've got so there's a little behind the scenes development about Moto. Let's go back to Shane because we are talking about uh, the, the present and future of Motos. We just had a product release number eleven, but I think um, initially, I, I think what I want to talk about first is subscription options because that's sort of a hot, obvious, not sort of, it is a hot uh, uh, topic. <laughs> And the software world right now. Soft spot for you, isn't it great? And well, you know, um, well, uh, did you guys send out a letter 
by chance. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't I believe I got. <laughs> I don't believe I got one from you. So yeah, my issue. <laughs> Teresa, by the way, I believe Teresa will be on from Autodesk next week on Pixel Fondue. So we're trying to get that set up still. And uh, she's got some, you know, she, yeah, give her some credit. She's coming yeah. on. So, um, so yes, I've not received a letter from you guys, but we are doing a live stream. And so this is an opportunity to sort of explain what's going on. I, I think it's, let's just break this down um, into component parts to make it a little bit easier to digest, I think. So in order, let's take a look at this. I think most of the people probably watching the live stream are probably current Moto users. And there will be... Uh, thousands of views later on a lot of these people won't be using won't be current motor users so let's talk a little bit about um let me fix my microphone let's talk a little bit about um if i'm a uh new user to moto to moto i don't have moto i've been thinking it's cool they've got this new subscription option i'm taking a look at it uh shane if you want to explain how subscription works for a new user non-moto user coming to moto so first i i do want to say like the important, like the main, main thing that I really want everybody to, to absorb is we're adding subscription. We're not taking, and, and I'll plug into this more, but we're not really taking away any of the options that you had before. Yes, there is no more upgrade, but I think I'll explain to you kind of how upgrades are working towards the future. Um, and we'll probably do a little bit of math on that as, as we get to it. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, if if you you know knew of Moto and knew of the business models that we had before, it's the same and it's practically cheaper, especially for this year. Um, it is cheaper. Uh, but for subscription, we added this for a very very particular reason because you know as as we built up you know um, kind of awareness into the industry um, and as these other you know companies started building out subscription business models. It was really interesting to me because we've always been one of the cheaper products on the market. Um, but all of a sudden, we were at $1,800. We were getting compared to you know, products that are that much a year in, in their subscription fees. And yet, we were perceived as more expensive. Um, so for many new users, they're very comfortable coming into more of a, a rental or a subscription-based model. Um, and in many new companies, it's it's incredibly important because they can scale up a lot easier. They don't have a lot of capital, you know, working capital to to fund a lot of licenses right out of the gate. Um, so for them, you know, straight out of the gate, it's a lot cheaper of a product to get started with. It so, gives them a chance to build up. So let me let me give a scenario here from my experience working in the production world, and I can go back to before anybody had subscription. If I go back to a production company I worked at here in Silicon Valley back in the late '90s, we would have we do a lot of game cinematics. We'd have uh, somebody from Electronic Arts or Sony or Sega. We'd have to do we get game assets, and we'd want to do the animation. But we were a lightwave house. A lot of times we get assets in Max format or, or Maya, and so not only did nobody know how to use Maya, but if we're going to bring up no freelancers could afford their own copy because this is a sixteen thousand dollar program at the time i think so in order to bring maya people in we had to buy maya you couldn't rent it even if it was just a month-long project you couldn't rent it for a year or rent it or subscribe for a year or subscribe for a month you had to buy it and so there definitely was a need and that is still happening today obviously so here at Sabretooth, you know i have my moto license and typically um i'll have sometimes i have freelancers come in i expect them to bring their own license because I'm not going to buy additional licenses just to have freelancers come in and out for projects. But what I'd rather do is just get Moto for a month. That's one of the subscription options. 
or a year and not have to drop 1800 bucks for a project that may last three weeks to four months. So there's definitely a, a need for subscription um, from a company point of view. For all, all of you, I know there's, there's some people out there that think subscription is bad in every scenario. And I'm telling you as somebody who owns a company that it's a great option to have. And my problem with Autodesk earlier was, was no, how does they rolled out this subscription only idea? Right. So this is it. It's so I, I think I'm being fair here and saying that. So that's one way to look at it. But also as a as a single user, you're still looking at eighteen hundred bucks isn't a drop in the bucket for something you you may not typically use. So Shane, I know you do a lot of uh, metrics on this type of stuff, like. I used to use Lightwave. I still own Lightwave, presumably. I don't have it installed anymore. I never use it anymore. If I added up the number of years I used it, it's probably four or five years. But what is sort of the average user lifetime of, of Moto or a 3D program? Uh, you know, that, that's a fair question. Um, in our install base, uh, we still have a, you know, really a high percentage of the 101 users still using the product today. Um, and, and very active with the product today. I'd say we're not the typical um, kind of company. And, and, it's, and it's growing as the industry has matured. Um, you know, 3D content creation tools have been around for 25 plus years now. Um, so that grows out. But I would say, you know, in general, the people that are active are, have bought, you know, sometime in the last three to five years. So and we can and do a little math population of those people, right? And we could do a little math in this later. But a, a Moto subscription for one year is is uh, is now five ninety nine US or fifty nine dollars a month. So, but it, so there's two options there. So again, if you if you can't really stomach or afford the six hundred bucks, you know, right away, there is a way to do that on basically a twelve month payment plan. Um, it costs you a little bit more to do it that way, um, but that's that's kind of the typical scenario there. So if you, and we'll get into this math a little bit, but uh, what I'm trying to drive at here is that not everybody uses these programs for a lifetime. So if you use Moto for three years, there's $1,800 down, plus you have to do some upgrading, which will to stay current via maintenance, which we can talk about in a minute. But if you just rent for three years um, and then never touch it again, like I never touch Lightwave again, uh, you know, it still can be a financial a subscription can still be the better financial option. So, you know, the, the main point I'm trying to get here with subscription is that is that there's a place for it. I think as we all agree, as long as there's an option and yeah, the thing that was our strong belief as well. Um, right. So and I, Brad and I, when we started, you know, talking about this years ago, there, there's a real need. You know, there is a real true need for this business model in the marketplace. It. It isn't the only option, though, and I think that's really, really key. Um, you know, I, I think there are, you know, very, you know, equally just as valid of reasons for ownership, um, and you know, really putting that control of that aspect of things back into the consumer's hands. And, and maybe, you know, there's many reasons in, in production as well where you lock into a release for three years. There's no reason. To upgrade for those three years, you're stuck using that software with everything that's in it, no matter what, for that three-year production cycle. So let's give a scenario. Say I'm a new user, a Moto looks interesting, I can give this a shot. I want to subscribe. I go to the website now. My options are monthly or yearly. Is there any sort of three-year package deal or anything like that with a discount, or just keeping it simple, monthly, yearly? 
Yeah, right now we try to keep it just really as, as simple as possible. There's there's a lot of options already there, so we didn't want to um, mix that up too much. Uh, it is something that you know I think is on the table and considerable uh, for doing a three-year you know prepaid type of an option or something like that. Uh, but for right now, it's it's purely uh, subscription, pay for a full year up front, or you pay in, in monthly installments. Okay, so let's say I say, all right. Go ahead, Derek. I'll jump in there and say one thing is um, actually two, two different things. Uh, the first is that it's it is an annual commitment that's paid monthly, so we don't have a kind of a true month month to month rental, if you will, option. Um, it's something we certainly we know people have asked for. It's something we're definitely kind of going to look at. But as of right now, it's it's an annual commitment either way. It's just the payment terms are annual or monthly, not the yeah. license terms. Um, the second thing I was to say is to kind of I think to, to Shane's point is. This is something we've been discussing since, honestly, you know, back in Luxology days. I mean, you know, th there's been a customer request and a customer need for subscription, or at least, I will say, a request for what subscription offers, for, regardless of whether you call it subscription or not, uh, for a very long time. And so that's one of the things we've kind of been very careful and cautious with is making sure that as we do this, we do it in a way that that as much as possible is something that people look at as an additive thing, not as a changing of, of what we had um, scenario. Um, but this has been something, I mean, I think it's an important point to make, which is that this has been a discussion point that we've had for, for several years. It's not something that's sort of come out in the last, you know. Okay, so let, let me clarify a little bit. So you can subscribe for a year. You can either pay $600 up front or you can pay 59 a month for 12 months, correct? Correct. And so you're yes. paying an extra 120 bucks a month if you don't have those 600 bucks up front, but that 59 works in your budget. Um, again, that's just an option you're doing. And then at the end of a year, does it auto renew? Does it just stop working after 365 days? Is there a grace period? How does the renewal work? Yeah, so that's a good question. So it, it does auto renew. Um, you know, pretty much all of our plans now, all of our products, maintenance or subscription, automatically renewal. Um, at the end of their term, there are some, you know, situations if you bought through a channel partner or something like that, there where that wouldn't by default always occur. Um, but by default, um, if you're buying off our website today, it's going to auto renew automatically. There is options. Um, so if I, you know, even on day one, want to go in there and uh, stop auto renewal, I actually I think you have to do it on day 15. You have to wait a little bit of time, just the way it's coded. <laughs> but if you wanted to stop auto renewal, you can do that. You can just turn it off. Um, you'll still get notices in your email 60 and 30 days in advance of that renewal term that it's it's coming up. And what do you you know what do you want to do? Do you want to renew or or whatever or what have you? Um, and then you know the, again the choice is yours at the end of that term. Um, but otherwise, it'll it'll automatically charge again on your credit card at the end of the year. So let's say I sign up and I, I'm like, okay, I, I can't, I don't have 600 bucks, but I'm going to do this monthly. And then four months in, I'm like, oh, God, I just don't have time for this. I've got I just, is there any way to cancel or are you locked in? You are, you're obligated to that full 12, you know, 12 month term uh, payment term. You're, you're contractually obligated to that. Uh, there is a 14 day cancellation policy right away, which will, you know, is available on the website as well within your account settings. Um, and that will process an immediate refund. But outside of that, that 14 day window, you're, you know, you're obligated to those full payments. Okay. So you're locked in if you get that. It's an, uh, that's why it's an annual, it's, it's an annual thing that you're really just paying in 12, 12 payments. 
Right. So annual subscription paid via monthly or uh, for a full year at once. And okay, so can I do you, think, you know, just on that topic, I do think a pure month to month option um, is something that, like Derek said, it's something that we would consider. Um, but we again, we just wanted to go out of the gate with this with, with as simple and straightforward as, as options as possible. So I'm kind of glancing at some of the comments here. It looks like some people are, are already saying that they'd like to see month to month. So you've got some yeah. uh, people asking that already. And the other, so the other thing I want to bring up, I think this is fair, is that if you look at algorithmic, they have essentially a it's essentially a rent to own um, model where you pay subscription, but it goes towards essentially a payment plan towards owning the software. Is that something you guys are, are considering or is that not on the cards right now? It's much more difficult to do that with the, the kind of the existing business and business models that we have. And it's very complicated to explain the reasoning why, to, you know, why that is. Um, but the, you know, we discuss that at length at a, at a lot of ways. It's complicated on the books because you're, you're technically loaning, you know, that money out until they actually pay it all off. Um, it's not really a, um, a rental scenario. Um, there's a lot of ways you can get around that on the books as well. We looked at that. Um, but at the end of the day, to create something that was as neutral as possible for people that were already perpetual customers, people that were seeking perpetual, um, and then people that are subscription or seeking subscription, we really felt like this particular mix of the models was the best way to go instead of the rent to own. Okay. Yeah, I just want to add one thing. I mean, you know, one thing that's come up, you know, in a lot of conversations is people say, well, did you consider this? Did you consider that? I, I, I can honestly say we literally considered everything. <laughs> uh, I, I think the hard part is that fine line between, but then not giving them, you know, a, a giant matrix of selections that, you know, to pick through. Um, and so that's why I think, you know, for our, from our standpoint, it was how can we pick something that is both simple, but gives people the most flexibility? And also, you know, this is not necessarily sort of the, the, the final um, decision point, right? I mean, I think we're going to put this out. We're going to see what people say. We're going to get feedback. And if the answer is that we need to tweak, change, do things six months from now, I, mean, I think we're open to that. Um, but we didn't want to come out of the gate with this really complex matrix of 17 different ways to, to decide how to do things. Um, and to Shane's point, we, want, we, we do have kind of a, a legacy customer base that we need to make sure that we're you know, giving them something that they feel is correct and fair while bringing this new. So let, let's talk about the current customer base, because I, I think we covered subscription and there'll be, you know, we could bring up some questions later as we go bring in some more Pixel Fondue members in about a half, or, you know, we're going in a little bit slower than I wanted to here. But if I didn't mention this before, we are going to bring on some other Pixel Fondue members like Adam and Ed, and they're going to come in and ask some other questions and also look at the uh, chat stream over here on the live chat and try to get questions from uh, the viewers as well but we can get back to subscription if we need to i think the main uh most of the people watching i think are current users and are interested in the new um upgrade option well, it's not an option the new upgrade method which is maintenance and the new licensing uh scheme which is also different and then we can also after we do this then we'll get into a little bit about uh, moto 11 features and how sort of the new model in which moto is being released in sort of a three-part series instead of the old big release and, and service pack. So let's go back to current users. I'm a current user. Uh, we got a license of Moto. Previously, I believe I would pay $4.99 for an upgrade. And the you'd announce a new version. Sometimes you'd have like a bit of an early bird special or something, but you'd announce a new version. And then anytime up to right before 
say if you announced version 9, any time up to before version 10, I could buy version 9 any time in that 12 to 18 month period or however long it took to um, create the next version. So I can sort of upgrade at my leisure. I would go in, I would, uh, you know, well, I, your typical user would go in, they'd look at the beta for or the forums, and they would look at uh, Skype and Slack, and they would kind of see what people are saying about it, and they would finish up their current projects, and then they'd eventually upgrade. Now we're moving to a maintenance model, which is different. I'll let uh, Shane or Derek I'll let you guys explain that, but I will just say maintenance, like subscription, is sort of a loaded word, and um, and I think there's some very well, valid- especially with the Foundry and and uh, and RLM context, <laughs> totally get that. And RL, yeah. By the way, I still can't get Nuke working, but I'll just, I'll just <laughs> go back to that. All right. Um, so let's, uh, so, you know, let's, Shane, I'm just going to let you sort of take it away here. Explain how maintenance works with current users. Explain how it's different than the old model. And, you know, just sort of lay it out here, what you guys are doing. I'm just going to lock you in yeah, as the I, presenter here. I, don't know, I whipped this up right before the call because I, I felt like it's a super sexy spreadsheet here, but I felt like just seeing the math on some of this helps explain it just 10 times better than us just talking about it and you reading about it in FAQs and, and so on. So so today, um, you know, pretty much you, you have a couple different, you know, basically you have the product that you're buying a license for at $17.89. Um, so this is kind of the Moto 10 scenario uh, where we have a lot of customers that do upgrade every year. So they, you know, they pay their, their $4.99 pretty religiously um, every single year. I think Greg, you're one of those. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and then we have, you know, not to say that this is bad, like I said, there's a lot of reasons to skip and it does happen, um, but it's literally almost 50-50 between these two types of profiles where we have customers that, that buy a release um, and then they, you know, obviously, you know, you just spent 1800 bucks. It's going to be, sometimes it's pretty tough to do $500 the next year right afterwards. Um, and sometimes like we have a lot of fence, what I call fence sitters um you know january february march that are just sitting there waiting to buy because they don't know if we're going to drop a new release on them and we don't you know for a lot of different reasons we don't want to announce that you know in january that there's a new release coming in may because obviously nobody's going to buy until may comes the um, osborne computer conundrum right yeah. osborne. <laughs> so uh you know that creates you know really a very shortened sales cycle and a very spiky revenue model for us so that's that's a problem for us um, it's kind of a problem for the buyers in a lot of cases who they might need something, but they're really hesitant to buy as well. But for whatever reason, the pattern, you know, generally follows, you know, every other year, let's just say that. I mean, sometimes people go every third year, but generally speaking, people are upgrading every, you know, 24, at least 18 to 24 months, I'd say it is an average. Now, let me... Um interrupt you for one second. So if I have, let's say, a Moto 601, let's go back in time a little bit, 701 comes out, I don't want that, or I just don't have the money or whatever, 801 comes out, I'm like, I gotta have that, and I upgrade from 601 to 801, was that, st I used to upgrade every year, so I don't remember, was that still just 499, or was, you're upgrading two versions, yeah. was it a little more? It's been, no, it's been, uh, ever since, actually, for the longest time, since 701, um, it's been four, 499, 495. I mean, there's been changes in other currencies because of exchange rate, uh, you know, moving around on us over the years, um, but uh, 601 it was 399, um, and, and then it did pretty much been 399 since the beginning, if I remember right, Derek. 
Um, but there's been yeah, but different I, promos at different times on both of those numbers. So, yeah, I think the other question Greg was asking is, yeah, we never made a difference between what version you were upgrading from. So if you were if you had skipped one version or five versions, the upgrade price was always the same. So regardless. there was no okay. So there was not a uh, uh, an additional fee for getting two versions worth of upgrades at once. It was just no correct. That's okay. one's, and that was one of the important things we wanted to maintain is this idea that you know the, the version that you're coming from is kind of irrelevant as long as you're coming from a prior version. That was a good deal. Should have uh, never <laughs> noticed that before. <laughs> Yeah, Good job. The numbers could be this: like you could have bought 701. It was a little less then, but you could have bought it at you know the regular price for the license. Then maybe you upgraded 801, but maybe you didn't. Um, and then maybe you did 901, and, and that's where you paid the 499. Okay. Um, so that's you know a difference of just the years that I'm putting here. And you think of it as releases because we're typically you know we've pretty much been on the one year cadence uh, for releases. So that's the old way of doing it, and the, yeah. the, the numbers on the far right are, are initial purchase plus six yeah, years so of upgrades. Yeah, the sum okay. of what you've you paid for that total, the you know seven year, um, you know customer life cycle, if you will. Okay. Sounds um, good. So if we take subs, you know subs is straight through five ninety nine, um, but and I'll show you in a little bit where subs kind of crosses over, but you can see. Uh, it's still it's still even after seven years. It's cheaper than buying you know what you would have you know paid paying paying for a license, paying upgrades every single year. Right. So even all the way up to I think all almost eight years out, um, subs is a cheaper model. Just a pure subs model is cheaper than what we were doing before in the past. Um, so that's really important. Um, but then we got to we got to be careful of that number as we cross over again into the legacy install base um, and what you know what happens there right um, so what we've what we've decided to do is um, you know for everybody anybody that's um, you know ever owned moto you can you can add maintenance now to your um, basically to your license um, and that'll get you upgrade it'll get you the upgrade to moto 11 but it also give you any new updates that are put out in the 12 months time. Um, and the price of that part, I'm sorry for everybody that's joining everywhere else in the world. Um, there are, you know, Euro and GBP prices for all this, but I know that the U S one's a lot easier and a lot better, but the price of that is three ninety nine. Um, and what we're saying is as long as you stay, you know, keep maintaining that. So maybe you're, you know, this user like in the past, then that's what you're going to pay every year. Uh, we'll extrapolate that out. Um, so for you know the Gregs of the world that have been pretty loyal, have been buying every single year all the way along, what we're offering now is actually a, a cheaper path forward um, than what you were paying. Um, so uh, you know that you know does come with its pressures. It does come with okay, well, what happens when I when I get off, right? So maybe this year I get on board um, at the three ninety nine deal. Um, and then, you know, you know what I, I say, screw you guys. I'm not getting enough value. Um, so I jump off at the end of, you know, in 2018, April, I jump off. I don't renew, um, maybe 2019 in April, I want to get back on and the price, you know, what we're, we're saying the price is right now to get back on is, is five ninety nine. Um, so that, um, has an inherent penalty of $200 already built into it that, you know, you, you basically have to pay more for skipping a release, uh, a little bit more. And so I, that's a change from the previous model where you had just, so in the Moto 10 skipping, you 
you would you could just get multiple versions and still pay four ninety nine. This one, if you initially there's a discount, it's a hundred bucks less, and you can contain as long if you're like me and you just do it all the time anyway. You just maintain that three ninety nine all the way through. But if you like to, if you don't upgrade every year, you are going to be hit with a two hundred dollar um, upgrade uh, additional fee, basically five ninety nine to catch up to the latest version. And then how does it work after you've caught up? Right, and so that that's where a lot of the discussion has occurred on the forums today already. Um, and again, I, I do want to say, you know, yes, it's two hundred dollars over the three ninety nine, but it's really, you know, if you look at how we built out this model compared to the existing legacy model, it's a hundred bucks more. Um, so maybe I put that out. You know, I, I again, I don't jump back on. I skip a year. It's five ninety nine. Um, so if I'm again the same type of scenario where I bought. You know, I bought a license, bought three upgrades over seven years time frame. I've only bought three upgrades um, and a license. Same scenario down here. This model, the way it maps out, is only a hundred dollars more. You know, more expensive now than what it would have been in the past. So, um, so after seven years, if you do the skipping thing, then if you if you did that previously, you like to skip. You are after seven years, you are paying a hundred bucks more. Seven years is a pretty long time, and if you go ten years, then you're paying like a thousand bucks more, I guess, another hundred bucks each for each of those additional three years. Um, and so that is a so that's a, that's really the biggest change is you've if yeah. you are on perpetual. It's not, it's not the biggest change because we'll talk about the other one now because it's maintenance instead of upgrades. So um, so if you're like me, there's really no change other than. I'm just sort of prepaying instead of paying, you know, like a month or two later or whatever I normally do. And it's just going to be cheaper. So the type of Moto users who always upgrade, it is essentially cheaper now. Um, yeah, it's if more you, cost effective. Yeah. More cost effective. If you're one of the ones that likes to skip, and there may be more reason to skip now because it's you're not buying an upgrade after the program comes out. You're able to analyze it. You're paying a maintenance fee prior to the program coming out, so you're not really sure what's in it yet. And so there may be more reason to skip, or, or you may feel more like you feel like you want to skip more because you're not sure what's in there. But you will be paying um, a higher uh, upgrade fee um, or a maintenance fee, right. so five ninety nine. You know, the way I look at it is, um, you know, there's a discount for trust to a certain extent, right? To be brutally honest, um, if you trust that we're going to put value out into the year, we're giving you a cut on the price. Um, if you if you're more of the type of you got to prove it to me first before I give you money then you're going to pay a little bit more of a premium on the price. Right. And and that's right. And that's one way to put it. And that's and that's I almost think it's better. I mean, let's let's be honest. This is a, you know, you guys are running a business and if you can get people to pay every year, you'll give them a better deal. And that helps you guys plan out development well, and keep it, the you know, obviously, this is our goal, right? We make Right. That's your goal. Right? You you right. So you're I'm totally still- happy paying charging right. less you just would like people to do it all the time right. um and then yeah and so again like taking a look at this you know so you know when i look at this and we talked a little bit about this before i i always i totally understand the 599 jump if you skip i used to i i was actually kind of surprised like i said earlier that there wasn't a, a penalty previously in the old and a lot model. of people did ask for that a lot of people that were like hey how come this person that just upgraded from 301 got the same dang price that I did and I paid every single year? So. Right. I never understand that when people like look at other people and say, well, how about that guy? Like, what does that yeah. matter? <laughs> <laughs> what is like? Um, 
So let's go to so there is there's that initial one, but then you are stuck at that five ninety nine. As of now, there's no plan to uh, get back on the trust, even if you upgrade every single year, like the people right. who never so, skipped. Yeah. If, if you did this, then then yes, but you're still less than um, again, you know, whatever you were kind of in the past. Seven right? years in, you're still less. Yeah. If you skip and then pay every year, that okay, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, so seven years in, so like eight years in, you're like basically tied. Then uh, nine years. So look, and this is we're talking ten year time frames for like we're hundred dollars <laughs> of yeah. difference. Well, so actually, so I don't always do well with formulas live, but I did a, a quick Kagar calculation uh, on this. Um, make this black. So even at that, even if you did this. That's a four percent increase in price per year across that seven year time frame. Right. So, you know, if I go back to what we were at before, you're talking about, you know, an inflation rate, if you will, of 05 percent over seven years. Right. So and that's what that five ninety nine means. So it's really it comes off, I think, stronger than what it really is. Um, and you know, if you are this person, you know, I'm not gonna you know, it's It'll be interesting. Again, we're talking about a problem that, as a business, we're not even going to start to experience until four or five years from now. Um, is the first time that we'll start to see people go back to back with this. Um, so, you know, who knows? Right. You know, this could very well come back to three ninety nine. You know, I don't know. Um, all I know is we're going to, you know, obviously going to keep monitoring this, see what the behaviors are. Um, we just wanted the rules to be simple. And, and straightforward. We didn't want it to be some some vague statement on you know a big legal document of you know what's it going to cost me if I drop off maintenance. Well, if you drop off maintenance and you come back, it costs you this. And, and that was the main point. We wanted you wanted something to point to to give you guys an example of what it would cost, and then let you do this math. Yeah, and one thing I want to kind of add on all this. I mean, I, I think it's the kind of spreadsheet shows is. You know, the position that we're in kind of in the marketplace is one where we want user growth, right? We want to maintain the folks that, that are currently using it and keep them current. And we want to bring as many people into the Moto kind of family if, as we can. So the purpose of kind of how we're costing this out is not to maximize sort of per user revenue. It's really what can we do to give people options to bring in the people who don't, who can't handle, who can't afford the upfront cost and bring them in. Also make it for people who, who stay current to incentivize them to maintain. Uh, and that's really our goal. I mean, our, our measurement here is really on kind of user growth and seat growth moving forward, not on dollar value on a, on a per user basis. And I, I do think it's, an, and I get it, you know, people kind of so it's always a difficult conversation to have kind of on forums with, with people about the, the, the more business side of things. But that is our objective, right, is to get as many people using Moto as possible. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Derek. One more point to that is, you know, it, one of the things we used to do, which we got a lot of negative feedback on, is we used to, you know, have a big release. We'd have a, $100 off. Uh, I, think, I think we did it for 601, 701. Um, and it was a, a limited time offer, uh, usually between two and five days. And we didn't have trials. Didn't really trial the software. You kind of had to take our, you know, the trust and take our word for it, right? And a lot of people found um, that to be somewhat not, you know, the right scenario either. Um, trials are now available on day one, 
and, and Shane was a huge uh, proponent of that and kind of pushed that from, from from day one. So, you know, you have the option now to go and try the software. And I think to your point you're making earlier, you know, we have to convince you that we're doing the right things and 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 our and where we're going and the stability and the performance and rolling in the features to convince you that it's worth giving us you know the money every year, right? I mean, I think that's kind of our, our objective and our goal. So let's so let me just sort of editorialize for a little bit here. Um, sure. So when I you know first saw this plan, I think the gut reaction for most humans is, okay, you're penalizing us for getting off because you're bumping up the price and keeping it there, and we're not getting a sort of loyal. We can't go back to the loyal user um, discount. Now that that's got to go with perception and reality here because the reality is, like if you look at somebody like me, I upgrade every year anyway, and um, this is actually going to be cheaper for me. Even though I still look at this, my general my gut reaction is, eh, it just seems kind of like a corporate thing to like penalize somebody then not go back. Um, and and the other issue, of course, with maintenance is the the, the one that I think um, maybe is an even more valid issue because I think Moto at three ninety nine or Moto at five ninety nine is I I think is a tremendous value. I mean that's that's the going rate for one day of work for a Moto freelancer. That's so one year of use for the product for one day of work. I just think that's a tremendous value. I made the same argument with Creative Cloud. I think it's a tremendous value. Um, but if we're looking at maintenance, what you're essentially asking users to do is say, okay, you're you're, uh, we want three nine 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 from you. That's less than before, but we want it up front, and so you're paying us prior to really knowing what's going to be in the software. So I'm not going to see a software release, take a look at it, say, okay, there's some features I kind of want, kind of don't want. I, I'm just going to wait a while. I don't need to do this right now. Maybe I want to buy a new GeForce card right now for five ninety nine and wait six months to buy uh, to upgrade to Moto. I have some flexibility with the old upgrade options that I don't have with maintenance. Maintenance. Um, if I don't want that penalty, then even though it's only 200 bucks, uh, but it's 200 bucks every year, um, I, I continue to do it. If I don't want that penalty, I've got to pay up front. And so, yeah, I do want to know. Um, I, I want to have an idea of where Moto's going. I think that's a fair question, right? So I know you can't put out specific features like Moto 12 is going to include XYZ. But I think you need to give your users, I think you'll agree, um, a good indication, sort of like side effects did in a recent uh, uh, live stream they did, where Moto's going, where you're sort of concentrating developer um, resources. And so when we dish out 399 up front for another year's worth of the software, we feel like we have some clue as to what we're paying for. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, um, that's a fair statement or fair argument to make. Um, you know, I will say, you know, one well, one way to look at it, at least right now, is if especially you know for other users that are on 901, what you're looking at is okay. Well, did they across the 10 series? You know, maybe 1001 or 100 came out. It didn't have much in it, and it didn't have what I wanted. But by the time they finished or we finished 102, you know, that's worth an upgrade. So really, what you're buying into right now is is not only the upgrade to the 10 series, but you're also buying insurance that whatever we released across the 11 series, you'll also get. So it's a little bit of, at least to get on board today, it's not quite paying entirely for the future, right? Oh, so um, what? Uh, so are you saying if you're a 901 user right now, today, April 21st, you get on one year maintenance, 399, you get 10 and 11? Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll well, basically yeah. all the features that are there. You get bumped um, all the way up, okay, yeah. right. So you can look as a 901 user, you can see what's on 10, say, is that worth 399, by the way, 
It is, if you haven't used the mesh operations and some of the other things in there. Um, and you can also look at 11. I think it's uh, noteworthy. We, I think we really need to point out something here about how Moto is developed now, because there's been a big difference in releases well, since 10 came out. Yeah, because yeah. by the time we finish the 10 series, there's a lot of people on the fence, right? They're, you get to the end of the year, we actually put out a substantial amount of value through the course of that year. But then we're, we're at the end of the year. So everybody's, you know, January, February, March, just like every other year, are sitting on the fence because they know 11's right around the corner, right? So this, this hurts us as a business, um, but where this model helps us and you is you can buy now in January. You can buy at the end of that cycle knowing that you're, you're not going to get screwed by another release coming out two months later, right? You're, you're going to get not only what you're buying, what you just saw come to market as, as valuable to you, you can buy that today, but you're also gonna get what we're gonna continue to bust our ass on and, and put out for the rest of this year. So on that perspective, it's it's a little bit, uh, like I said, it's buying an upgrade with insurance. You wanna look at it that way. What it does for us as a development team is it, it's just greatly improved how we develop the product. Um, you know, in the past, we would do a whole bunch of things. I mean, this team is is amazing to me. They're probably the best development. They are the best development team that I've ever worked with um, in the sheer volume of stuff that they can do. Um, I still have a lot of great friends at Autodesk. So I don't want to diss them, but... Um, I feel free. What, what, what we've been able to do on this architecture, on the Moto architecture, just blows me away in the speed at which things get done. Um, so it has a lot of testament to what, you know, Alan and Stuart created from the very early on in the get-go, um, but just also the, just the talent that we do have on staff. Um, you know, so all that aside, we are able now, instead of going off what I call the stability cliff, we're able to linearize our improvements to the product. So the product is truly getting better release to release to release. And we proved that with the 10 series. So anybody that followed us all the way through you know, 10.0 10 to 10.1 to 10.2 with a, you know, a few V releases scattered in between there, every single step of that, that series improved quality, improved features, improved value all the way through there. So that's, it's working for us in a very big way. Um, and what we've seen so far coming out of beta, you know, from, from mem you know, beta customers like you, Greg, is, is 11.0 is set, you know, really set to do the same thing we're not regressing in quality. And it, it's really just because of the way that we're structured to do these things. So let's talk about I, this. Uh, go ahead, Derek. So I, I want to echo a couple of things that Shane said, because I, one of the things, I, I, things I've, I've been here since, uh, like I said, 401, um, and the development team that, that works on Moto is really unbelievable. And, and, and it's unbelievable because one, they're really, really talented group of developers, but two, they really want the features to, to be correct, right? And a lot of times, the, the pressure that they're under to feature done by people like me, probably, you know, to is is kind of puts them in an unfair position a lot of times for what they want the feature and to have the polish, to have the fit and finish. One thing we've really moved to in the last, you know, nine, 12 months is getting the creative specialists um, that work with Moto, that, that go visit customers, more involved with developers. So they're, they're, they're helping developers and position where they can say, you know what, this feature needs a little more time, a little more soak time, a little more fit and, fit and finish. Let's move it from 11.0 to 11.1. Let's move it from 11.1 to 11.2. Let's make sure that it's, it's instead of 
kind of ramming it in there, if you will, to kind of get that checkbox. It's about getting it right. And that's really been, I think, a shift um, that we, we've we wanted to do, that, that the developers want to do, that the, the, everyone on the team wants to do. Um, and so this kind of goes in, in, into that. And so I think to your point of if I'm a customer, you know, again, now you can try 11.0 on day one. If you're an 11.0 user, you know, we're going to give you 11.1 public beta. So you can sort of see, the, the, to answer the question of, well, how do I know what's coming next? You can see what's coming next in 11.1. Um, same thing when you're on 11.1, 11.2. Uh, in terms of, of, you know, how we publish and the best way to publish that, um, I, other than kind of putting out those public betas before they're released, I think we have some options there. Similar thing with, with Moto VR, which we talked about at the live event, of kind of taking some of these um, things that may not be in a release for, months, maybe really kind of bleeding edge technology, uh, uh, providing some of that in there and really getting to a point where we're not kind of um, uh, making it more difficult to use the everyday product in an effort to get some of these newer features to users. I think there's a way we can kind of serve both of those um, goals in a way that I think is a lot less disruptive than it has been in the past, to be perfectly frank. So let, let me summarize a little bit. If you've been with Moto a long time, or if you're a new user, this is how it used to work. You'd get, say, uh, you know, Moto used to make very large leaps with each upgrade. Um, if one reason was that it, it, it didn't have a lot of stuff. So if you went from Moto 2 to 3, Moto 201 didn't even have animation, like, at all. So, you know, this is a major feature we can animate now. And then in Moto 4, we've got, you know, dynamics, or we've got particles, we have actually deformed things now. So, um, so you used to have this large set of feature releases on the initial day that took about 18 months or so, maybe 20 months to come out. It wasn't yearly, it was, it was longer than that. And then you get these service packs. If you all remember, you get SP1, SP2, SP3, and everybody who's used Moto for a while kind of knew that right around SP2 or so is when it got um, stable and comfortable to use. And it's different now. If you look at Moto 10, Moto 10 came out with, I think, fewer features than would normally be with a Moto release. But then when 10.1 came out, you had like another third of those new features come in. Then Moto 10.2 comes out, you've got a whole other set of new features. They're not just bug fixes. So feature releases are staggered throughout the upgrade cycle, not just bug fixes. So you had Moto 11 come out today. This is not, and it, and it does look, if you... I think we can all agree, if you look at the feature list of Moto 11, it looks light compared to past releases of Moto. And so you have to, what I want you to talk about a little bit is this isn't Moto 11, just this and bug fixes for the next 12 months. There's yeah. more to be coming out in terms of new features, which each 11.1, 11.2, 11.3. And so when you're on subscription or you're on maintenance, you get that each of these sort of uh, instead of one major release, three mid-releases per year. Is that what you're shooting for, three per year? Right now, yeah, we're trying trying to target a cadence of, of three releases a year, roughly every four months. So roughly every four months, and you're trying for a year. And I think this is important because if I'm signing up for a year's worth of maintenance, I kind of want to know I'm going to get all three of those. I don't want to sign up. I say I'd sign up for maintenance in July. And uh, 11.0 is out, 11.1 comes out maybe, uh, whatever that is, for August or so. I want to know that by, uh, you know, I'm going to get, you know, those sorts of upgrades. I'm going to get my money's worth in maintenance. I don't really, I'm going to be disappointed as somebody who paid for maintenance and um, I get two sort of upgrade jumps instead of three. So you're really shooting for... Yeah, three I think a it's year. pretty safe to say you'll get three pretty much at any point where you would buy. Um, it's pretty likely that 
um, especially um, about right now, if we, we, we meet our milestones, uh, it's pretty likely that you would get four because um, we we're trying to move the first one a little bit earlier in the year. But we'll see how the rest of this year goes. It's only um, so, you know, the end of April right now. So, so again, you've got these are just um, you've got these releases coming out and there's going to be, you know, new features, not just bug fixes in each of these jumps. So if I buy maintenance on 11.1, let's say I don't get 11, let's say I get 11.1, I can expect 11.2, 11.3. Well, there won't be a Oh, I'm sorry, 11.2, yeah. 12, and probably 12.1 is what Possibly. you're saying. Right. Okay, so, um, and then if I don't get 12.1, at least there's going to, and I waited on one of those guys who likes to skip a year, there's going to be public betas of all these out. So I can always jump on and get a beta, correct? And see if I'm interested in these features if I want to upgrade. So the, the betas and any, like, uh, we're going to do a lot more exclusive technology previews and things like that. Those are going to be limited to, you know, current subscribers or maintenance customers only. So you'll what about a what about a demo that will be uh, available? You'll be able to uh, uh, when it ships, you'll be able to get a trial. You'll okay. Each cycle, um, yeah, I don't think we'll stop that. I'll to you know, I'll continue to evaluate that. But we did that last year and it worked fine. We basically gave everybody in the world ninety days of trial. So so if I skip a year, then a new version comes out. Like we're like a number of releases ahead i could i could get a trial get and a say trial. okay I, I like this i'm gonna out this sure. worth it's worth my 600 bucks i'm gonna get this so you're not not blind so if, if you don't like to go blind <laughs> blind um do a sort of prepay with maintenance you can do the skipping thing and you get trials and, and evaluate the current version you don't hold those back anymore uh, but if you stay on maintenance you can at least get betas of upcoming versions so that may help influence your decision if i'm going to make sure i pay that prepay that maintenance for the next year because i've seen the beta of 12.1 so to speak and i like what you guys are doing i'm going to go ahead yeah, and yeah exactly okay. so you know at that point in time you likely will you'll be current you'll start to get the betas of the next cycle you know to kind of feed you on of what's you know what's coming into your future so so I think that's kind of a, a big deal because previously um, in the old days, like we didn't do any sort of public beta. Uh, there was some beta testers and everything just kind of got thrown out there at once. So um, I think that's a good change. If you're on maintenance or subscription, you can take a look at public betas of the upcoming versions and that will help you inform your decision to stay on subscription or uh, stay on maintenance because you, as again, you are in effect pre-paying. So you need as much information as possible. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and you know, I know we're running tight on time, so I, I actually want to get into, and I'm I'm very comfortable in, in saying you know certain things about what is coming, right? Because we do, we we're very active on 11.1. In fact, we're probably about you know a month or so away from code complete on that particular release before we you know start uh, fine tuning in, working out any of the issues on that. Um, 11.2 is actually simultaneously starting in production as well right now, so. Um, you know, that's another different change. We're running kind of, we're trying to run two releases overlapping. So we're not just doing development in four month cycles. We're, we're actually trying to get to a mode where we're doing two teams on eight month cycles um, instead of all one team, all in, hands on, on, on one cycle. Um, so the, the things that we're, you know, this year really, you know, heads down focused on is, is a lot of stuff around just workflow, making the product, you know, better and easier to use, fewer clicks. There's been so much feedback over the years that we just couldn't get to. A lot of features, like you said, like animation was added in, in an entire release. Well, that was coded probably in about six months time frame. 
it didn't get all the things in it that it needed to get done. So there's a lot of things that the users have been, you know, using the tools in these areas for many years and had good feedback that we just haven't been able to go back and revisit. So that's a big focus of what you see. And it's a lot of little things, like you said, but those little things I think really add up over, over the course of this year. Um, so I, I was sorry to add one thing is that, you know, we sat down before we started 11 and we kind of had a list of about 400 plus legacy bugs, which were bugs that were just, you know, because of because we're so focused on new features or because we're focused on other things were bugs that were, you know, maybe not critical, but from a from a kind of quality assurance development standpoint, but were the kind of things that you go to the forums and people say, you know, how come you haven't fixed this? It's been two releases. And so we've made a list of those kind of bugs. We we're, uh, I believe almost 200 of those are fixed in 11.0 and the remainder of them are targeted for 11.1 and 11.2. And, and that's kind of what Shane's talking about is this idea of just changing our methodology to be more focused on kind of working on something, completing it and putting it in when it's ready. And, and if it's ready means it's 11.1, 11.2, it kind of can kind of pick the, the, the train as it leaves the station, if you will. And I think to your, your point, Greg, you know, by the 11.2 completion, you know, you'll have that, that same feature list as, it, as though in the old days would have gone into 11.0, right? But the difference now is we're trying to target those in a way that they only go in when the customer is ready to say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to use this, this, you know, the workflow here, it's not just a feature, the workflow works, it's, it's, you've kind of really um, made it a, a completed feature. Yeah, I, right. You know, I would say by and large, the people that come to me and, you know, say, well, I didn't buy Moto. It's not because I didn't buy Moto because it's missing XYZ feature. It's I didn't buy Moto because this didn't work or, um, it was too, you know, too crashy for me on whatever release such and such in the past, right? So those are the those are the big barriers for us in a lot in a large way of selling more product, and getting more users out there. So I think we're getting as you expect to see an emphasis on a, a stable moto, a sort of a staggered release pattern is going to help add to a stable moto because you're not rushing to get features in on that you know a release day where you try to throw everything out at once and then just bug fix throughout the rest of the year. Um, I was happy to see uh, an emphasis on the modeling tools in uh, Moto 10. I think modeling is Moto's uh, biggest strength, and I think it always has been. If it has a reputation in the industry, it's for modeling. I think you mentioned earlier, when you got an animation in early, like uh, three or four, I think it was three, maybe deformation by six. And oftentimes you see these massive efforts put into a feature, it's out there, and then it sort of languishes over a year. So now that we've had this um, re-emphasis on modal modeling, which I think it, it did start out so far ahead, but obviously programs like uh, Maya have put a lot of emphasis on modeling. In fact, have, have been even making it more modal-like in some ways. Can we expect to see continued emphasis on modeling tools in Moto? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think you're spot on there. That's, you know, that's where we maintain our competitive edge um, is modeling um, in what I've been calling more so uh, singular asset creation. So, you know, by and large, people that uh, create texture and UV and even anim animate things, they do it on a singular item inside a moto. They don't necessarily do full on large scene productions. There are a number of people, and I think you guys at Sabretooth are, are one of those that do do that. Um, so, I'm not saying that that doesn't occur, um, but by and large, moto is a tool that's used with a lot of other tools in production for pure content creation. Um, I agree, yeah. and, and that's, that's one of the, the the points I've been trying to put forward is uh, you have 
literally hundreds of thousands of licenses out there of programs like Unity and Unreal Engine. You have Substance, uh, Designer. You have all these programs that require modeled assets. And I would love to see Moto become the premier go-to package for hard surface assets. I think ZBrush has a great, uh, is a fantastic program for organic assets. I think Moto can make uh, advancements there as well. But I'd really love to see this um, continued push towards Moto being a, just the fantastic world, you know, premier program for hard surface assets. I think I'm getting, I, I know we're still running out of time, so I, I don't want to just blab on about uh, what I want to see in Moto. There's, uh, I'm looking at some, um, uh, 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 the stream over here. Now, I want to Pixel Fondue members, if you want to jump in, jump in now. We'll get some other questions. I want to throw one more thing at Shane really quickly, and I, I think you're probably going to address this later. But can you give people an, an indication of what's going on with Moto Indie? Is that something you're going to uh, address? Are there changes coming? And what's happening with Moto Indie? So, right now, we're in the process of uh, building and compiling it uh, under uh, 11.0. Um, you know, Derek and I, we've, we've been completely swamped with just getting uh, subscription and maintenance and all this other business stuff out the door. Um, so it honestly hasn't been the forefront of thought for um, a greater part of you know, five or six months, to be frank. Um, that's next on the list. So, you know, once we get through today and the rest of the weekend and probably take a little bit of a breather next week, um, we'll start up conversations on that right away. Uh, it's important. It's important to the strategy. Um, I don't see it going away, um, but I can't really tell you exactly what it will be. Um, I don't, you know, it, you know, it's, it just needs a lot more conversation between uh, the us and customers and things like that. Um, I don't see it as staying on Steam long term. Um, I think there, there's a lot of been a lot of difficulties for us um, as a business operating there. Um, Steam is a great platform, but it's also very much a black box to us. So it's really hard for us to um, do outbound communication to those users. Um, and then to also, obviously we wanna upsell those types of users. So it's hard for us to, to operate that business as a true stepping stone to the major, you know, the, the rest of the Moto business. Is there an upgrade path from Moto Indy to regular Moto maintenance? There is, it's very, very manual. Um, and it's, yeah. Yeah, it, you basically, <laughs> it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 sort of. Not something that I highly want to advertise because it's, it's a complete pain in the ass for me to manage right now. Okay, but is that something maybe you'd consider? I'm not sure how many Moto Indie users but, you have out there, but surely there's want. Moto Indie yes. users saying, you know what, I kind of want the full program. What do I do? Right. You know, there is a way to do that from the perpetual um, versions. Um, so the, if you bought a perpetual Moto Indie version and then you're buying a perpetual Moto version, there is a way to do that. If you're on the subscription versions of Indie, going to subscription Moto, then no, there's you know you're basically trading uh, whatever fifteen or nineteen bucks a month for fifty nine a month. Okay. Yeah, and what I was going to say about that is, I mean, the, the part of the mood subscription does gives a lot more um, kind of options in terms of how we manage the trial process, how we manage Indie, and that's kind of what we're looking at is sort of what is the right way to bring people in at different levels. Um, of kind of experience and knowledge into the product, you know, be it trial, be it indie, and then um, kind of move up through the product um, as or, or not, depending on the kind of the, where where they are. But yeah, and so it's it needs to be, you know, it needs to be more of a um, overall kind of funnel, um, and that's kind of what we're we're going to look at in the next couple months here. But yeah, I think strategically, we absolutely want to get indie. Better, 
<laughs> that's good. That's a start. Make indie better. Okay. In general, and that's the big goal. Like Derek said, you know, well, all these changes are really, you know, how can we, you know, two x, five x the volumes of users that we have? I mean, we're doing good. You know, don't get me wrong, but obviously, there's a lot more potential, a lot more opportunity out there for us to grow. Um, and we got a taste of that with Moto Indie, so we just want to. We got to well, find a lot of these pieces to get. That. Are you are you going to keep the public uh, informed on Moto Indie through the forums? What's the best place as a Moto user to go? Now, part of the uh, let me just, just not really a sidetrack. I think this is relevant. Um, people want to hear from the foundry, and listen, Brad People was a big personality, and this was he was the best in the industry at communicating with uh, the communities and building a community. And those are big shoes to fill. And I don't think anybody's expecting a, um, you guys have full-time jobs as well. It's like, and nobody in Moto is a much more complicated product now than it was 10 years ago. So, but people would like to hear from you guys um, or maybe just some sort of point of contact from somebody on the inside. Like what's going on? Like, where do you go about new Moto Indie news? What do we expect to look on the forums? Where, where are we going to hear something? You go to Pixel Fondue. Pixel Fondue. All right. <laughs> you guys are. We could do that. Killing it. So I, I really, you know, on that point, I really tremendously appreciate uh, what you and Yazan and Brad have, have done with Pixel Fondue and getting this off the ground. I think it's it's doing all the things that we wish we could do if we if we had the people and the support and the talent to do it. Um, so uh, I applaud you for that. I hope to do more things like this. Uh, to help get that information out there. I think you guys have a, uh, an excellent vehicle for getting that word out. Um, I'll, you know, we'll continue to do our best on the forums um, and any other major news announcements and things like that with emails and direct communication. Um, but I, I really see our relationship uh, between Foundry and Pixel Fondue growing a lot as we move forward uh, you know, into the year to come. So one of the things I want to yeah, uh, oh Derek or somebody said I was just I'll just add to that just that you know yeah I mean I think you know Brad was very unique right in terms of what, what he could do and, and I you know for 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 us to try to duplicate some of that wouldn't just wouldn't work quite frankly you know um, and so I think we need to find some different ways and I think yeah I mean uh, I think coming here for example um, I do think we need to do a better job of communicating we we clearly we we've been pretty quiet lately I think part of that was because with the subscription stuff we kind of knew we had one opportunity to kind of roll this out and want to make sure that we really did it in the, the best way that we could. Um, but yeah, I think moving forward, you know, we definitely want to see the creative specialists out there more talking more about the features. Um, you know, we, we put out a series of quick clips uh, as part of 11.0. We really want to, I think, focus less on kind of big marketing of events and be a lot of you know what, what browse great at early on right just kind of constant conversation right just sort of having a much more stream of conversation um and so yeah i think that's definitely an area that we need to get better at and you know hopefully we can work with with you know the folks over Fondue to to kind of improve on that so so let me just expand on this a little bit um you know one of the reasons I wanted to have Derek and, and Shane on here is to show everybody that these are actual human beings who work their ass off at Foundry and who really do have Moto's best interests at heart. You know, I know Shane probably hasn't slept in about 24 hours. And um, it is different without Brad there. And I know the, the community misses modcasts and things like that. And over Pixel Fondue, we're gonna do, we should do more live streams. We'll try to do a better job of some of this stuff. 
I think let's throw it out to the community here. What's you know, it's a community and it's more fragmented than it used to be. It's not just the Luxology or the see, I still call it Luxology, the Foundry Forums, or I'm sorry, Foundry Forums. That name has changed again. It's not just Foundry Forums. You've got Slack, you've got Skype, you've got Facebook, which I never even go on. You've got a bunch of different uh, places. And I really want to throw this out to the community. If you want Moto to succeed, Let's not lament um, Brad not being around anymore or Shane and Derek trying to fill his shoes. Because that, like, like Derek said, that's just not going to work. Derek's not going to come on and start doing modcasts. It's just not It's not the same thing. So let's take it upon ourselves to um, have a positive community outlook on Moto. And I always say we're all in this together. So you know we'll, we'll keep doing these things that Pixelfon do. And uh, I just like to see more positivity in the forums and things like that. Um, so I'll leave that there. I think, Ed, you've been sitting there patiently. I, I, I know you guys probably have to get going here pretty soon, but do you have some time to take a few questions from uh, absolutely. the yeah, absolutely. Uh, thing? Okay, so, Ed, I'm just going to leave it to Ed to pick out some stuff to ask, and you guys can answer. Well, you guys actually systematically like went through everything that I had written down here. The biggest thing was Moto Indie. We have a lot of indie artists that were just interested to know about the bridge to uh, regular Moto, uh, as well as what the roadmap or any outlook is for, uh, for Moto Indie. I think you guys uh, pretty much covered that. The second one was uh, about animation in Moto. Um, a lot of people interested in uh, animation. Yeah. So the biggest thing there is, um, you know, is, is the performance issues. And, you know, I, I uh, it's so strange because you know, on one hand, I see you know amazing things that um, uh, you know certain companies out there are doing in Moto with you know multiple characters and and everything out there. Uh, and it runs great for them. It's no problem at all. And, and on, in the order of operations deformation, I think is is a really, really powerful and unique thing uh, that that no other tool in the industry really can kind of come close to right now. Uh, so th there's a lot of great quality to the tools that we have there, um, but you know, definitely performance is an issue. Um, some of that was, uh, you know, the weirdness with spline deformers and things like that. We solved a lot of that in 11.0. Um, so we're very keen to these issues and and in solving the the foundational problems of them. So uh, the goal for this year is to really kind of wipe that that slate clean, get all those issues done with, and then we'll have all the great tools that have already been there will be really useful again, um, and we can get back on the track of of putting more new features in in animation. But for this year, performance, 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 solving bugs. Um, and I'm not talking about just playback caching, like what you're seeing right now in 11.0. Uh, we are very hard at work at, at solving the problems of interactiv interactivity and interactive key, you know, keyframing performance um, and things like that. So there is an end-to-end -end plan there. Um, it's, it just is going to take time. Those are some very, very deep core problems that we're working on. We have really pretty good ideas. We're getting pretty close and more to come there. So I, I think I just want to jump in. So I think Shane's right there. Like I use animation in Moto a lot. I really push um, what it does with Sabertooth. And uh, I, I don't tend to run into feature limitations. I run into performance limitations. And the idea of, of putting a bunch of new animation features out there prior to getting performance um, accelerated, it, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I think you do need to, I, I like what you're doing. Let's get performance a lot faster. Let's get a better advanced viewport. I think that's made some good, every single release of Moto since that's come out, the advanced viewport has gotten attention. So so getting those things together, and I think then we're going to start seeing uh, more animation uh, features. 
Uh, Ed, any again another question? Oh, I have a selfish question that uh, just for me. Uh, I noticed that in eleven you have some um, mesh fusion assemblies that shipped with Modo uh, in the preset browser, and I had a chance to try some of those, and they're super awesome. I was wondering if that's going to be something moving forward that you guys will do more of, like maybe just presets, kind of, because uh, they're almost like um, little bundled tools. They're, they're yeah, like a, absolutely. <laughs> it's a, I had, we had a wish list of what there like twenty five, fifty of those. Um, yeah. We got four of them. <laughs> we got some. <laughs> But uh, there's a lot more of those to come. Uh, I, I think that really, uh, to me, that's both Daryl and I, we have a weekly call. Uh, we talk regularly. And that's our vision for modeling is, is how can we create more Lego blocks uh, to make this entirety of the system uh, just so much more user friendly uh, and then fast, fast to produce, fast to ideate, fast to you know, just get it out there and, and what I like to call in a lot of industries as, as 3D sketching and not, um, you know, not truly constructing an object, but you know, just getting it out of your brain as fast as you can. So you're definitely going to see more and more of that. We're going to make it a lot easier to uh, acquire content and assets directly within the product. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff with the asset browser to make it more online aware um, or at least more team friendly. Um, so having centralized depots of that content, you've already started to see some of that work even in 10.2 uh, and 10.0 to make that easier to path to, to a lot of those things. So uh, that's a really big fo focus for uh, what we're doing um, you know, with the out-of-the-box experience, if you will. Um, Speaking of Lego blocks, if you have not gotten the Lego loader for oh, Moto, go on the forums. We'll do a we'll do a Pixel Fondue tutorial for this for sure. Where we'll do a Pixel Fondue Lego contest as well, like Lego battle or something like that. And uh, but go on the for now, go on the Foundry forums and um, just uh, find the Lego thread and go in there and download that and play with it. It's it's a it's the best time killer on the planet right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Eric Silvey, give him credit uh, for doing that. He is a, he just gave it out for free. So I, I love that about um, the Lego loader. So I am get so I'm going to throw this. I'm going to ask this because they're asking me to ask this, Shane. So you ready? Yeah. Rendering. Let's not, let me ask this in a better way. When we used to talk about GPU rendering and CPU rendering in Moto, um, this is probably back in the Luxology days. You know, I know there was a lot of tests. In fact, I actually did a lot of tests for Brad in this. In fact, I did all the GPU. I did all the iRay materials back in uh, for the uh, Katia release, back when they integrated iRay. And the, it only worked in like a $6,000 quadro. That's how, yeah. like, so GPU has changed a lot since then. And, and the sort of line we got from Foundry at the time, which was fairly accurate, was that it's just not there yet. But now GPU rendering is certainly here. So um, let's start there. Do you guys concur that GPU rendering is uh, a part of our reality now and something that we are should be looking into yeah. as one of the premier graphics companies on the planet? Yeah, no, I, I think I posted a few, like a couple probably like short comments on that. <laughs> um, and there's not a lot I can say, but you know, other than we are researching things there for sure, um, it's not something that uh, we're not going to do. I, I will say that for sure. Um, it's something that we're very actively researching, um, but it has to it has to pay off, you know, for you as a user. If we put a GPU render in Moto, it has to at least match what the, the existing renderer can do um, and be better. It has to be faster, right? I don't want to put something in there that is not as good, not as many features supported, and is slower. But it's GPU, you know, hey, we got a GPU render. Isn't that great? Um, that's, that's not the goal here. Um, so we are, 
we are working with third-party sources, um, researching things there. There's a lot of things that um, we're looking to, into as well. Um, you know, Alan's fully on board with this. He's um, you know really keen to to see something happen here. Um, so we'll see. You know, you know, you know what? Maybe I'll try to get Alan Hastings on here and see and see have him just talk, theoretically give him because I remember talking about this with Alan. God, probably seven or eight years ago. Back, I remember talking to him, Steve Worley, back the old like we've uh, uh, F Prime days. You know, this is when this stuff was first coming out. But you know, Alan is a graphics nerd, so he's obviously been on top of this, and, and one of the few guys out there who's, who's probably written an entire rendering system on, on nearly on his own. Um, so yes, GPU rendering, as you heard Shane say, definitely looking into. I believe you said it's not not something we're going to do. Is that what you said? The double yeah, negative? Like that. <laughs> okay. I think that's as that's probably as good as we're gonna get. Yeah. I, you know, I will say, like, you know, you look at V-Ray, V-Ray GPU does not support all the features as G V-Ray CPU, but it's still a very usable and useful feature. Right. And so that's uh, kind of the problem we have. And there's a lot of things like with the Monte Carlo caching and you know, types of techniques that are out there, there's a lot of things you can't really do in a in a GPU pipeline. Um, you know, GPU render pipeline. So Things are improving there uh, constantly. I mean, that space is moving really, really fast. Um, and the other aspect of it is is cloud. I mean, I think cloud will will play. Uh, you know, I don't. I'm not saying everything's moving to the cloud, but I, I think especially for rendering um, and scaling productions in small businesses, it's going to become an important factor as well. And today, that's still very cost prohibitive uh, to do cloud rendering on the GPU. You can do it, um, but it costs more and it costs more for the Amazons and the, you know, the Luras of the world to put those types of, you know, hardware and systems out there. Sure. And let me be clear. There are GPU solutions for Moto right now. Octane for Moto has a great plugin developer, yeah. um, uh, Paul. And then of course, V-Ray is, is super tightly integrated. And there's former Luxology people over there working at V-Ray now, Chaos Group as well. So you do have some options and you guys work with these companies presumably to help their yeah. integrations. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we work, we, you know, we work as best as we can to solve the problems they have to get the best quality integrations on the market. And I think V-Ray, I mean, what they were able, what Chaos Group was able to do really shows that. I think, uh, you know, the Moto implementation of V-Ray is, is really, really top quality. Um, Ed, did you see any other I saw questions? somebody, Emmanuel Flores was asking about Moto VR. He wanted to know if there's oh, any yeah. news on that. So. Yeah, Keep so back in LA, um, we did a little bit of a sneak peek on Moto VR. Um, this is one of the things that we uh, likely will release as a kind of a labs type project. Um, you know, maybe later on this year, it'll be an exclusive thing for customers that are on maintenance or subscription. So again, get on board now. There's going to be lots of cool stuff coming there with the the public betas of the next releases and these other kind of sneak peek things. Uh, but really, you know, it's we don't know what we're going to do with it. We don't know what people want to do with it. So it's one of those things of we got to build it, we got to build it to a certain capacity and, and uh, functionality, put it out there, get a lot of feedback and understanding of, of what will it become? You know, will it become a new product? I don't know. Will it become a feature of the product? I really don't know. Um, and that's really why we got to get in this mode of these longer term developments being more public in a way that we can get that feedback. So I really like the idea of, of having uh, Moto VR 
uh, features available to me as a subscriber or as a, on, on maintenance. I can go in there and check them out and you get that feedback loop, which is gonna make that a better product in terms of, instead of just dealing with a smaller beta team. I'd also like to see now as, again, similar to VR, and you look at some of what Facebook was announcing the other day at their, at their conference, bringing the world around us into 3D is something that's gonna be an ongoing process for the next, well, forever, right? And um, getting a lot more projects with Sabertooth that deal with uh, point clouds and photogrammetry and people ask, that start, people are starting to understand what photogrammetry is. You have clients coming to you and saying, hey, can you do that photogrammetry thing? Can you get that scanning? Um, could that be something that could, uh, we don't quite know how this is gonna work yet, but maybe we have some photogrammetry or some uh, retopo or some point cloud uh, type features that can go out to the community and get that feedback loop going so we get something really usable that could be integrated into a product later on. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll let Derek speak to that. This is really his. Yeah. Big I was going to say, I mean, that's kind of really the goal moving forward. So, actually, one of the things I've been traveling a lot lately and kind of talking to customers and trying to find those, those customers that are really kind of doing some of that kind of cutting edge stuff. And the idea is that, yeah, we, we have a lot of, of things that we're doing in uh, within the research team. Uh, we, we have a, a, a very um, kind of robust research um, department at the Foundry. And the idea is, okay, how do we take that technology? find a couple key customers so we can roll that out with some some contacts, right? So here's some examples of things that people are doing. Here's 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 some some places this is going. And then yeah, and open up to a wider net, get more customers involved, and then really make sure that we're kind of understanding, you know, the five or six key workflows before we start pulling that down into a product. And so that's kind of this idea of, of and Moto VR is kind of just the first one, but you're exactly right. The idea is that you know we'd have you know several of those things would happen. So that as a as a Moto 11 customer or a Moto 12 customer, there's also these kind of Foundry Labs products that you can download, play with, and trial. But if someone who's not interested, I mean, one of the ones that people say is, well, I don't care about you know VR. Well, great. Then then that, you don't have to deal with it, right? You can kind of work on the core product, work in Moto, and for the people who are interested, they can go and pull down the labs builds and play with them and give us feedback, but I'm not putting into the core product where you kind of have to um, deal with something, if you will, before you feel like it's really, you know, needs your attention. And one of the, the biggest gripes that we've heard over and over about that is, well, it's still coming, you know, at a cost to new features to me on Moto. Well, it's really not true because we have, we have the Moto core team that does the features that you all are, you know, buying into today in, in 11.0 and all the 10 series. Um, and then we have, you know, the Nexus team now with Stuart and Alan, you know, really Stuart and Matt Cox and, and Matt Craig and a bunch of others championing that team. Um, and then we have the special projects team that Derek was, you know, helping manage, which is a bunch of different teams. It's not just one, you know, particular team. Um, so there's quite a few developers there. Then we have John Wendeldon and his, you know, research team at the, at the CTO staff level. And, and all of those external teams are now feeding in with new technologies and new features into the Moto core team. So you're really, instead of just one, you know, little team of Moto, you actually have a much bigger team of Moto, you know, supplying in these ideas and these, you know, technology improvements. So I know we're about done here in terms of time. I think and not come out of the Moto team kind of not doing Moto features to make that. That really came out of the research group kind of bringing that over to the Moto team. So it really is an, an additive um, thing, not a kind of taking away to do it type of a scenario. Yeah. Right. So, so Greg, you know, can I just can I add something about that real quick? I, yes. I was one of the people that had zero interest in VR at first. I thought it was, I thought it was a fad. When I had the chance to try it at the, uh, the uh, Nomen event in February, 
uh, I did a complete 180. Now I'm like deciding which one to buy, the Vive or the Oculus, because uh, trying Moto, even though it was like early days, uh, just seeing Moto, it was kind of like you were inside the, the viewport. It was, it was just pretty crazy. Yeah, I, was, I was honestly very cynical of it too, <laughs> you know, internally. Um, and again, once you get that experience, it, it changes things. You see what some of the customers are doing with it and kind of how they're using it to kind of do some things that are really very uh, unique and creative. You, you really do. It, it, I, I, I'm the same. I mean, I think if you've been in this industry for a while or you've been in software for a long time, you know, this is the third go around here at VR. You know, I think uh, we, we've sort of seen the first two not be that interesting. Um, and so I think there is a, a natural kind of um, fatigue, VR fatigue, I think, for people who have been around for a while. But when you see what people are doing and how how different it is where we are today, um, I think it's a lot more compelling and a lot more interesting than, and I think people are doing a lot more what I would consider real world, solving real world problems with it today than I think ever happened in the past. Yeah, you know, VR, of course, as we all know, the trouble with VR is you, you, don't, you can't understand VR until you try VR. And the people who try VR always generally come off saying they love VR. I, I will tell you, I have clients coming to me asking for a VR project, and that is a um, area where I can pitch to clients. So if you're in this business, VR is a place to make money right now. There's a lot of money to be made in VR right now yeah. because people are dipping their foot in it. It may go away in a couple of years, you never know, but there's going to be billions made between now and then. So well, there's yeah. billions pouring into it just from an R&D standpoint. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of money going into it. Yeah. Like we said in an earlier podcast, Facebook, Google, Apple, all these guys, uh, uh, big companies, you know. By the Moto. way, that Facebook stuff made with Moto. What's that? The Facebook stuff you just saw was made with Moto. Facebook, that's right. James Darknow, former yeah. Foundry uh, Foundry guy, now yeah, over at... He used to report to me, unfortunately left, but he left to do some really, really cool stuff at, at Facebook. At Facebook, they've got this cool new camera too, which it's, they, they showed, yeah. which does point cloud gathering, and I think Nuke is going to maybe... Yeah, we, we announced uh, that partnership as well, or something around there as well, just to read this week. Right. Okay, um, so I, I think we can get maybe uh, head out here. I think Shane, a couple of things we didn't touch on is licensing has changed a little bit. Um, and also, I think you maybe it may be worthwhile for you to sort of uh, go on at some point, maybe make a video, just kind of go through the upgrade process now, what it's like to jump on maintenance, how yeah. to do, go through the nuts and bolts of doing that online. Don't have to do that right now. I don't think if you don't want it, it's worth an hour. And I don't know if people, maybe a standalone we're, video would be better. We're laying down a feature film of an interview here. Yeah. So why don't, uh, maybe we can touch on that in the forums and the slacks and the Skypes and all that stuff and how licensing is going to work. Maybe try to, I know you guys are busy, but try to be active in there. The, the, big, the short statement there is it's, not it, 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 I, I shouldn't say it's not RLM because it kind of technically is, but it's not it's not maintenance RLM like you know maintenance RLM from the foundry. It, it, okay. it is a new new thing. So maintenance for Moto now is not all this this hassle of ordering and you know faxing us things. Uh, it's really really nice. It's a simple login type of thing. Uh, you can log in on to up to two machines um, at a time. You you legally can only use one at a time. Um, but you can have it activated on two machines and just simply open Moto and close Moto, open Moto, close Moto. Um, and then if you need a third machine, you either open Moto, log out, and then you open it on a, on a third machine and log in. Um, or you can control that online through the browser. You can you know, take machines on and offline from there. 
could I uh, open Moto in one machine, start rendering, perhaps in the play mode or the new mode you so have there? Rendering, yeah, so rendering still is free. You know, you don't need a license for uh, network rendering or command line rendering um, of Moto. So you can still do that. Okay. Uh, okay. Anything else? Are we going to wrap this sucker up? I think that's good. Th again, thank you so much for putting this together in short notice. Yes. Uh, thank you very much. I, I, I really would like to do more of these, you know. Yeah. So let's try to get Shane and Derek or some other foundry um, people over here on a more regular basis. And uh, like I said, you know, it's a community effort. Let's, um, you know, keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us have, a, you know, have a lot vested in this program, in this industry. And, uh, and you know, it becomes a major part of your life when you sit in front of a computer longer than you sit with your kids during the day. So yeah. people do get passionate about things because it's a major part of your life. So, all right, uh, let's wrap it up. Thanks for attending Pixel Fondue. We'll put this up online as soon as I can. And then we'll just uh, see you hopefully Teresa next week, definitely a round table in the next week or two. And I think that's it. Thanks a lot. Great. Thank you, everybody. Thanks.